Hey there, everyone. Welcome to the show. It is Denise and you are watching Speak Now Pro Wrestling here on January 25th. We are going to be chatting AEW Dynamite and it was, uh, I think a lot of us were expecting it to be, you know, a... Um, you normally we come on here, you know, we're talking about all this stuff like storylines and whether or not this match sucked or this match ruled or, you know, things like that. Um, but today's episode definitely felt a lot different because we were we already knew that we were going to be seeing Mark Briscoe versus Jay Lethal that had been previously announced. But also, you know, we that was pretty, I would say, like the highlight of the show going into it and even coming out of it because it was such an emotional night. Uh, I thought that AEW did an absolutely beautiful job of uh, basically just, you know, honoring someone's life and, you know, giving the opportunity, allowing Mark Briscoe to have this opportunity for on his brother's birthday to come out and to wrestle. And so there's just a lot to kind of get into in regards to that. So we are going to kick the show off. Uh, normally, I do things in a chronological format and talk about things in order of events that occurred. But I think this time we're going to go ahead and kick things off um, with everything surrounding, uh, you know, Mark Briscoe and the tribute that they did to Jay Briscoe. And uh, we're going to kick things off with that because it just feels right to kind of kick it off there. Uh, that really was, um, you know, the the thing about this show. I, the way that I kind of felt about this, again, normally I go into these shows with a perspective of, oh, how I'm going to feel about how things progressed. I kind of went into today's show and I even tweeted this out like right before saying like, you know what? I'm really like, honestly, all that I was looking forward to was just seeing this, uh, seeing this moment uh, for Mark Briscoe to get this moment, that was really like the thing that I just really wanted to see. Everything else was just, you know, part of the show. Uh, but let's go ahead and get into this because, um, you know, when the passing happened, the following, uh, you know, that happened on a Tuesday, on Wednesday's Dynamite, there was the whole thing about, you know, they uh, they did a, a tribute, a quick tribute to uh, to Jay Briscoe. It was, you know, they showed the, uh, you know, the graphic that, you know, people do when people pass away. Uh, they mentioned it on commentary, and that was kind of about, about it, right? But it was that same night that they also taped a, uh, you know, a tribute show. So they taped a tribute show. And that's still yet to come out. But it's uh, apparently, I believe that uh, Tony Khan said on Busted Open Radio that I think it's going to be like three hours long or something like that. Uh, and it's going to be filled with memories and people talking about their favorite memories and obviously matches and things like that. Now, I've seen, because uh, I knew somebody that was in the audience, so I've kind of seen a couple of the tidbits that occurred on the actual tribute show. I won't spoil any of that stuff because, you know, that's definitely something to come later on. But based on what I've, based on the photos that I saw, and maybe some of you guys may have seen it online, I feel like it was, uh, it looked like a nice tribute, but there's going to be a lot more added to that from the sounds of it based off of Tony Khan's interview and whatnot. So um, this was definitely a topic coming off of that because we know how kind of, uh, you know, Warner Brothers had uh, felt previously about uh, the Briscoes and not wanting them, you know, on the, on the television. And so that was a big uh, discussion. It was, you know, very sad to, it was already a bummer before, but then even afterwards, it was just not something you want to hear that, you know, they didn't feel comfortable with that or whatever there, uh, you know, however they felt about it with Warner Brothers. But it, uh, afterwards, on when was it? Let me check the date here. On January 24th, just yesterday, actually, just yesterday, uh, Dave Meltzer reported that uh, Warner Brothers had essentially reversed uh, their course and allowed AEW to pay tribute to Jay Briscoe and for Mark to be able to appear on their television, not just for this show, but moving forward to appear anytime, you know, they see anytime they want like he's good to go uh can come out on AEW TV is what you know we've been told on top of this one of the things that Tony Khan said ahead of this was in an interview with Busted Open Radio he basically said that these men uh both Mark Briscoe and uh Jay Lethal that they requested this match especially given that today is Jay's 39th birthday and that's um you know that's uh 
everybody already knew that, but it's still not something that is, how do I say? It's just not fun to talk about, not fun to talk about, but they did a really great job at honoring his life and also giving, allowing Mark Briscoe to have this moment to celebrate, you know, the person that, you know, got his brother, you know, the person that he did everything with that, you know, they had a whole career together, but to be able to, you know, honor him in this way. Uh, I mean, how many of us don't, you know, how many of us wish that, you know, if you lost somebody, especially if you've known, if, if you have ever lost anybody in your life, uh, an opportunity to honor that person is really what means everything. And so we got this match between Mark Briscoe and Jay Lethal, and it was fun. People were chanting, this is awesome. And Mark Briscoe came out and he was, you know, completely fired up to be there. Uh, that was very nice. But I think everybody kind of got in the feels when he came out and he was holding uh, the Ring of Honor tag team titles, both of them. And I think that was definitely something for some reason. I don't know why I didn't think about him coming out with the titles beforehand. So when he did come out with it, it was kind of like a, a moment where I think people were kind of just like, oh man, like this is real. At least I don't know about you guys, but whenever, you know, a, a wrestler or a celebrity or somebody passes away that you may not, or, or that you may not know, you know, directly one-on-one -on -one. it's one of those things where you you know it you see it on the news you read about it you hear about it you talk about it you 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 you, you do this you do that right but uh there's moments where it like hits you and I think that is when you're just like man because it goes I feel like sometimes when you know it, it's one of those things where you just like how do I say this like you can't believe it right like it still hasn't like I'm sure a lot of you probably haven't even like fully processed, processed, processed it yet. And that happens. And it's one of those things where I think that moment when he came out holding those two titles, it was just one of those things where you're like, oh my God, like this is totally real. Like this isn't just, you know, whatever, like this is real. And we already know that obviously, but it's just, uh, it was definitely something that felt I'm, I'm, I know people on social media and stuff are writing how they felt watching this. And so it was a quick moment where you're just like, man, it, it really hit people. And I think it hit people, you know, in different ways with however people, uh, you know, deal with this kind of stuff. Uh, in terms of the match, like I said, it was fun. It was exciting. And really, all I want to talk about is the fact that it that it happened and that it was allowed to, you know, allowed to happen. And you know what? Kudos to Tony Khan for doing whatever he had to do. Cause I know he said that he worked very hard to make this possible. So whatever it is that he had to do to make it possible. Um, you know, I think the fans are thankful. I'm obviously the family members are thankful. Mark Briscoe's thankful, you know, to be able to have that opportunity once again. Um, and then even afterwards. So after the match, you Mark Briscoe gets his win. It's this really nice moment, but he has this like one-on-one -on -one with the camera where he, uh, it's just him, it's the camera and he's, you know, talking and it's very, very, um, how do I say this? Very, very just, God, I don't even have the right words for this, guys. I don't have the right words for this kind of stuff. It, it was very deep because he just looked in the camera and he said some of it felt uh, some of it was a little inaudible, but he was basically, you know, telling people to, you know, keep their heads up something along those lines. And then it went to, uh, you know, you know, mentioning his brother and telling him, you know, I love you. I love you, man. And that was really the part that really just, you know, it was like his moment to send a message out to his brother. And so that was very, very uh, emotional to see. And then on top of that, afterwards, you know, they continued the, the moment and continue the celebration a celebration of life and then the uh the aw roster was out there uh you know agents producers all of those people were out there on the stage applauding tony khan was out there and so mark briscoe went there and you know he hugged christopher daniels he hugged uh he hugged tony khan and so they all had like this little moment and then the closing uh the the visual that closed out the night was you know it was a beautiful visual because you have on the screen, you have again, Jay Briscoe's image and you know, the year that he was born and the year that he passed. And then you have all the locker room and everybody out there, you know, applauding. And then you have Mark Briscoe uh, standing on, you know, in front with the bouts and whatnot, holding them up. And that was definitely a visual that uh, it, 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 it's a, it's a, 
you know, a sad visual because you know someone's life was lost, but it was also a nice visual, a powerful visual because you get to see someone's life being celebrated through somebody that they love. So that was very, uh, very nice. On top of that, I do want to shout out also Ian Riccoboni and Caprice Coleman. They did commentary with Excalibur and oh my God, they did such a phenomenal job. I mean, they already do a phenomenal job as it is when it comes to commentary. But the one thing that I do want to know about this specific commentary that they did today was not only did they add those personal touches that only them two as a commentary team can do in regards to their history and everything that they've done, uh, you know, with Ring of Honor and all of the knowledge that they have with Ring of Honor and all of that. But on top of that, they added the human element to it. And they made sure to, you know, kind of talk about how it was a blessing to see Mark Briscoe in that ring with Jay Lethal here tonight and talking about how, you know, go home and you know, not go home, but, you know, call your loved ones, that type of stuff. And so to me, all of that was just, you know, they did a great job of honoring someone's life, making sure the moment felt 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 more like a celebration in, instead of, you know, something something too too sad. They made sure to to celebrate to celebrate his life. And I think that was a really nice approach that they went with. And again, adding that human element to their commentary was um, you know, something that I can't even imagine doing because that is that would be incredibly hard to do when you're out there and you're trying to do a job and you don't want to do it justice. So I'm just going to end it with this. And my thoughts are that I really thought that AEW did a phenomenal job with honoring uh, Jay Briscoe's life also through Mark Briscoe. So that was very, very, uh, very nice. And that's pretty much what I want to say. And I'm happy that, uh, you know, Warner Brothers decided to, or, you know, reverse their decision on this so that this was allowed to happen. Uh, Darf Stevens sends in a message saying, as soon as I saw the emotion on Jay Lethal, my eyes started tearing up. Major respect to Mark and Jay Lethal for doing this match. Uh, Hannah, Hannah Hune says, I don't know if this has been announced, but the Jay Briscoe tribute show will go live on Ring of Honor YouTube channel um, at 1 a.m. on January 26th. I did not know the date as to when that's supposed to be going live, um, but I know it is going to be on the YouTube channel. I just don't know exactly um, what the date and time uh, for that is. Um, so I will uh, make sure to double check on that as well. So that's kind of where we're at with that. Uh, Grapple Geekery sends a message saying, uh, wrestling can make you cheer, it can make you scream, it can make you boo. Tonight it made me cry. Uh, Rip J. Simon, Rens Simon Renshaw says, great show tonight. The main event was quite something super emotional. Uh, yes, definitely. And even just kind of coming on here and, you know, having to, um, you know, not be out here just how do I explain it not having trying to find the right words is very very hard guys it's very very hard uh Justin says in tears in tears all match but the ending Mark hitting the the Jay driller driller and then laying on his face after the bell I cried so hard thank you Jay Briscoe um so there you guys go. This one's a hard one, but I kind of wanted to make sure to talk about it at the top of this. Uh, Patrick Scrogan sends a message saying props to Tony Khan for making it happen. happen. And that's the thing too, like, you know, everything, like I remember the tribute show uh, for Brody Lee. That was definitely, oh my God, that was, that was really hard. And it was really nice that they got the opportunity to do an entire show. And I'm so happy that at least there was this moment that was made possible with that. Uh, Grapple Geekery sends in a super, uh, message saying, hugs, Denise, we're all emotional tonight. And then Rippy1231 says, Ring of Honor just announced the J Tribute Show will be going live on their YouTube channel at 1 a.m. Eastern time. Okay, there you go. So we got two people already who told me the exact same thing. So, um, very uh yes let me go to really quickly to ring of honors uh page here and see what they uh said about the timing about that and also you know they do have the they do have the shirt too guys uh at shophonor.com if you get the reach for the sky t-shirt 100% of the proceeds are going uh are going to them uh i don't see anything from ring of honor here but maybe i'm missing it or something um, but okay, thank you so much to Rippy for uh, letting me know on that as well. Uh, sorry, guys, sometimes it's a little hard to see things when I'm on the show. Uh, Steven says, uh, you're doing awesome tonight, Denise. Thank you. Um, so there you guys go. Um, 
I know we're going to talk about this like in and out of the show, but I did want to make sure to cover uh, this portion of the show right off the bat. Now we are going to go ahead and, you know, do my best to switch gears and get into more of a lighter topic with the rest of the show. But that pretty much is what, um, you know, oh, people are saying it's on the YouTube page. Oh, thank you. Okay, so everybody's saying it. Uh, Okay, thank you. Thank you to everyone who is uh, clearing that up in the chat here. Um, Matt Corso says, I only got to see the Briscoes live once at the G1 Supercard at Madison Square Garden. I was there for that. Uh, Matt says, I wish they had a chance to showcase their talents on a national stage. And that's the thing, too. And, you know, I feel that raises a whole other topic here. And that's definitely something that, you know, I, I, I wish, I, I feel like, and this is hard because, you know, there's so many different cases about this in regards to, you know, people making mistakes early on in their life and saying things that, you know, they regret later on in the future, or maybe that they don't feel the same way. And I do think it sucks that, you know, they were, uh, that they were, that, you know, they were punished for that for so long for, you know, the comments that were made in the past, and they were punished for that. And it does suck, because it's like, if someone, if it happened such a long time ago, and someone keeps you know, apologizing for it time and time again. And, you know, they haven't done anything else to make you go, oh, this person has doesn't regret it. It's nothing like that. So I feel like for this particular case, I feel like there has to be some sort of forgiveness in terms of man, like, yeah, you know, people say things, people said things in the past. And you know, we're all here and we're not perfect. And I feel like there has to be some sort of forgiveness for people like it, I think there has to be something where it's like, yeah, if someone said something a long time ago, but they messed up and they don't mean it. And they changed and you know, their mindset changed or whatever, there has to be like, you know, I don't know, some sort of forgiveness, some sort of, uh, I don't know, something it's so different. It's so different that if if someone, if a celebrity is going out there and they're saying all these harsh things and they're not learning their lessons and they're just saying it over and over and over again and they never apologize and they keep going and and all of that, that's a different story. But, uh, you know, sometimes it's just like, man, there's got to be some sort of forgiveness uh, out there for people. Uh, thank you so much to Michael Bolden uh, for sending this in as well. So I don't know... Um, you know, this is a tough one, guys. It's a really tough one. But I think a lot of people have a lot of things to say about this. My name is not Earl says, everyone has said things they regret. We're human. Uh, Steven here says everyone deserves second chances and forgiveness. Alexis P says allow people to change. Um, and yeah, our rig says honestly, I was that he was ticked off at Warner Brothers for being so petty. And yeah, I, I agree. I remember when I saw that first thing where they said that, you know, Warner Brothers didn't want to 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 do have anything to do with them. It, it, it sucked, you know, it sucked. And it's a like, I feel like you have to like judge every case differently, you know, because there are people that are out there on social media making like really terrible claims, saying really terrible things, and they keep going and they keep going and they keep going, right? But it's like, if someone did something or said something, or rather someone said something on a tweet from way back when, and you know, they changed, they grew up, their mentalities changed. Like there should be something there to, uh, you know, forgive and move on and use it as a way to, uh, you know, educate and whatnot. Like education is important. And I just feel like, man, it just, it's so, uh, this is a, again, an entirely different topic that I wasn't even planning on touching on here today, but I can't help bringing it up when it's something that, you know, clearly played a part in, uh, you know, when someone brought up why we didn't get to see the Briscoes on, you know, a national stage, like, like AEW, for example. Um, and yeah, David here, and I wasn't going to call him out by name, but the person that I was thinking of here is Kanye West. I mean, like Kanye West is going out there and he is just like nonstop saying stuff and, you know, doing things and causing harm. And I feel like that is an entirely different situation, an entirely different story. But again, um, you know, you just got to judge things on a case by case basis, in my opinion. Um, Michael Bolden sends in a message saying, did anyone catch the vibe that Jay Lethal was an avatar for Jay Briscoe tonight? It felt like it was supposed to be a brother versus brother. That's a nice, um, that's a, a nice way of looking at it. I, I didn't see it that way. But maybe some other people uh, might have seen it that way. So uh, thank you so much for Michael for at least sending in uh, this um, 
this, I guess you can say evaluation of it or, or just, you know, something that you gathered from it. Um, okay, guys, so let's go ahead and uh, I'll read a couple more comments this one and then we'll go ahead and move on to the rest of the show. This one's from Ruby Moon who says, totally agree. The fact of the matter is that they apologize and they educated themselves. Warner Brothers just absolutely just screwed up and never letting these two on TV. So I feel like for the most part, guys, um, and there's a couple of people here in the chat who, by the way, agree with Michael Bold Michael Bolden's message here about seeing the match like a brother versus brother type thing in terms of Jay Lethal filling in as a as an avatar. Uh, so thank you for pointing that out because now it's something that I think a lot of people, if they didn't think it like me, maybe it's crossing their minds now. So it uh, it hits a little bit differently. So um, there you guys go. Again, we'll touch on this as we progress throughout the night, but let's go ahead and move on uh, to the rest of AEW Dynamite because there is some things to talk about. Uh, they also announced a card that I think is looking very good for next week's Dynamite as well. A lot of repeat matches, but matches that I feel that are uh, pretty good that I don't mind seeing again. So uh, no complaints from me on that end. But uh, let's kick it off with the opening match of the night. And actually, if you guys can just give me a second, I have my heater on and I am sweating up a storm. So give me one second to turn it off. I was about to be soup on this podcast because I was, I had it on because it's been very cold. But as I was doing the show, I started to get really sweaty. And before I knew it, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be soup here in about five minutes. Um, but let's get into this match here. So we had Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara team up to take on Ricky Starks and Action Andretti. So there's kind of a lot that I want to touch on here. Now, um, in regards to this, I feel like for me, speaking specifically for Ricky Starks, you know, we've seen this, like, we started to see this rise for Ricky Starks uh, ever since his, uh, his his feud that he had with MJF, where he ended up being his first challenger. They had that really good uh, promo face-off that they did with one another. That was really great. But uh, Ricky Starks, uh, for me, like, getting into this program with Jericho it's pretty freaking cool because I feel like anytime you get to be in there mixing it up with Jericho, Jericho to me is somebody that elevates talent. But the whole back and forth that they did at the LA Dynamite show, it wasn't necessarily the best. And I started to think, man, is this maybe a good idea? Like, where are we going with this? Is this halting some of that momentum for Ricky Starks? And then also, in turn, Action Andretti, because Action Andretti, uh, you know, he defeated Chris Jericho. And now he is, uh, you know, he defeated Chris Jericho. And it's like, okay, well, where do you go from there, right? You got to keep this program going. You can't just forget about it. So with that being said, I really, really enjoyed this match. And I also enjoyed the fact that we are seeing Ricky Starks and Action Andretti kind of like two guys who are at different points of their AEW career. But you can definitely argue that they are both on the rise, even though they're kind of on, they're still on different planes, but they are uh, on the rise though. And so for me, I kind of feel like this is a way to really get, uh, really elevate both Ricky Starks and Action Andretti in this program with Chris Jericho. And one of the things that I couldn't help but to think about while I was watching this too was how we were seeing, you know, Ricky was a young guy, Action Andretti who's a young guy, Sammy Guevara who's a young guy, and seeing Chris Jericho go in there and mix it up with a young talent, it's pretty freaking cool uh, to be able to see that because you don't get to see that, you know, too often. And I know people have their criticisms of that or whatever, but I personally think that it is cool to see Chris Jericho go in there and mix it up with the talent, uh, the, the younger talent, and be able to see some really good action come out of it. Now, one of the things I also want to touch on, because I mentioned this on my Rampage post show, and so I wanted to make sure to talk about it here. And I also spoke about this on Busted Open Radio. And one of the things that I feel like I remember when Action Andretti defeated Chris Jericho coming off of that. I was like, holy shit, like that was pretty exciting. The crowd really got behind him. But for me, I kind of feel like I started to become a fan more so after his uh, his Rampage match. After that Rampage match, I feel like I started to become a bigger fan of Action Andretti. And then even today, 
Um, I really loved that back and forth that he had with Sammy Guevara early on in the match. Also, shout out to Sammy for doing that uh, cutter to Ricky Starks during this match while Ricky Starks was walking the rope. That was pretty freaking cool. When it, it, it was like, uh, I love when we get stuff stuff like that where it's just, uh, you see a crazy move come out of nowhere. That's always really fun. But the thing that I want to get at with Action Andretti is that we are legitimately seeing this guy he is about to, I feel he's about to explode. Like, I won't be surprised if by like the end of the year, he is like TNT champion or something. Again, I know some of you may be like, what, at the end of the year? Uh, a lot happens in the year. I think it can definitely happen. And here's the thing, like, I am becoming a bigger fan of his by the minute. And there's been other guys that I feel have gotten very popular very fast in AEW. And there was some that I really didn't jump on board um, too fast. I felt like there was some guys that uh, got over really fast, but I still wasn't really seeing it with those people until way later on. And so for Action and Dreddy, for me, it's actually been like the reverse. I've been kind of becoming a fan just like faster and faster. And the reason for that is I really do think like, and I said this again on two podcasts already, but uh, I really do think he reminds me of a young AJ Styles. And I feel like, uh, and now every time I see him go out there, like I have that in the back of my mind. And it's just, um, it's cool to see that. It's cool to see that like AJ Styles influence on Action and Dreddy. And I mean that in the very best possible freaking way, by the way. And so I'm a fan of Action and Dreddy and I like seeing uh, everything that he did in this match with Sammy Guevara. I thought all of that was pretty freaking cool. Um, so we got some good moments, but uh, Jericho and Sammy essentially went the cheap way out. And um, we saw Daniel Garcia hit. Uh, he ended up hitting Action Andretti with the um, with the uh, with the bat, with the bat, excuse me, hits him with the bat. Sammy Guevara then gets the GTH and ends up getting the win here. So for me, it was something that uh, we continue the feud. They definitely got to do something about, you know, the Jericho Appreciation Society choosing to get wins in this manner. So I'm cool with this. I'm liking the way that this is going so far. This is a this is picking up so much more than where we were at previously when uh, the whole situation, the whole back and forth happened between them in Los Angeles. So things are definitely picking up. And I see this as a good way to uh, really boost up Starks and Action Andretti and keep Jericho busy, keep Sammy busy, all of that good stuff, man. All of that good stuff. Um, all right, so let's go ahead and hop into this next match here. Um, this next one here is the AEW TNT Championship match, and this is Darby Allen versus Buddy Matthews. So, um, all right, where do I begin here? There were some things, there were I pretty much liked everything in this except for one thing, and I'll get into that. So the last time we really saw Buddy Matthews on a one-on-one -on, -one on Dynamite was literally last year. June of last year was the last time we saw him on a one-on-one -on -one match on Dynamite, and it was against Pac. So um, for me, Buddy Matthews is a guy that I feel like when he was in WWE, like they definitely, I thought they dropped the ball on him. Like he's the guy that when you see him go out there and wrestle, you're like, damn, they really didn't do anything with this guy. Like, why is that? Like he is, he, he's a gem. And I feel like he is sort of a, still a hidden gem at times, you know? And so Buddy Matthews, and I remember go, uh, going uh, before he, was it before he signed with AEW? Yeah, it was a little bit before he signed with AEW. I remember going to see him at uh, New Japan Strong and seeing him there up close and personal because I was on the front row for that show. Um, seeing him so up close and personal, it was one of those things where, again, the same thing crossed my mind. Why hasn't there been more done with Buddy Matthews? Like, the guy has a lot of freaking talent. So anyways, uh when he brought came into AEW and when he got brought in with the House of Black, I really thought like, oh, this is going to be great. We're going to be seeing so much. But I still but I do think he's one of those guys that um, and we talk about this all the time in regards to the AEW roster being so full and whatnot and overflowing with talent and blah, blah, blah. But Buddy Matthews to me is one of those guys that I feel that if the roster wasn't super, super bloated, I think we would see him maybe a lot more. I think we should be seeing Buddy Matthews a lot more personally. And I like this match with him and, and Darby. And here's the thing about Darby. Darby likes to go in there and, you know, 
take sick bumps. He likes to go in there and let the other guy give him a good beating and then have his comeback. And, you know, that's what we saw with Samoa Joe. Uh, maybe not to the same degree with Buddy Matthews, but we did see Buddy Matthews, you know, be able to, like, get in so much on Darby Allen, got him with the big boot, tossing him uh, onto the, uh, to the, to the ring post. There was a moment where he slams him on the ring apron and then after that grabs his body and then slams him onto the barricade. That was pretty cool to kind of see all of that. Um, there was some really good stuff like that they did during this match and they uh, made sure to, you know, talk about how, you know, there's the precise difference between Darby and Buddy Matthews. So that was definitely, we saw uh, we saw that too. So all of this was good stuff here. Uh, we do end up seeing, and this was the part I didn't like, and I get it because it's the House of Black and it's their thing. And I know that they like to have the lights go down and this and that, but they're really ruining, ruining the lights going down aspect for me. Because for me, every time the lights go down, I'm, I'm like trained to think we're going to be seeing something totally different, something somebody totally new, right? And um, it's, it, it took, even like, even like the reaction from the crowd when the lights went down, everybody was like, oh my God, something's going to happen. And I think you always forget like in this particular situation, like, oh, it's going to be the House of Black. And so I really kind of wish we didn't always get the lights out situation. Um, I would rather just do without it, have them come out, you know, like normal, just have them come out and not do the lights down situation because it always, always throws me off, always throws me off guard um, and makes me think, differently that I'm going to expect to see something else. And so when the lights come back on and I'm not seeing something that's like, oh my God, then I'm just like, oh, okay. Yeah, whatever. And so that kind of takes out a little bit of the excitement from me. So I would just say, be more selective, man, with those, um, with the lights off things, guys, with the lights off things, I gotta, I gotta be, gotta be a little bit more selective with it, in my opinion. Um, but anyway, so, um, this match continues on. I loved it. We do see Sting get, uh, the other members of the House of Black with the kendo sticks gets them out of the way so that they don't interfere too much. So, you know, again, Darby ends up hitting the code red. And I thought it was over here, but Buddy ends up kicking out. Later on, we do see him hit the uh, coffin drop, pins Buddy Matthews, gets the win. And what I want to say here, too, is I'm so glad that Darby Allen is champion once again because – even though I like Samoa Joe as champion, I really did because Samoa Joe is, you know, he's Samoa Joe, man. He's one of my favorite guys ever to watch, but he, he didn't really need two championship belts though. Like one was enough, right? He didn't actually need the two belts. But prior to that with Wardlow, man, I really feel like they dropped the ball with Wardlow as TNT champion. And I'm a fan of Wardlow, but now seeing the difference in me as a viewer, just speaking for myself, the difference in interest in the TNT title picture with uh with Darby going out there and having all of these different types of matches than when Wardlow had the championship. I remember we were just seeing the same match over and over, and I would come on to these podcasts and be like, man, we got to switch things up with Wardlow. We got to do something different with Wardlow. And we finally did get a couple of matches that were a little bit different, but it didn't sustain long enough for me to go like, man, I really enjoyed Wardlow. Wardlow as TNT champion. And so that kind of bums me out because I had really high hopes for Wardlow as TNT champion, especially coming off of all of that momentum that he had with MJF after double or nothing. I mean, I'm, I, I've talked about this so many times. And so, and I mentioned this even before, like previously when Darby was TNT champion, I loved Darby as TNT champion back then too, because he had, in my opinion, some of the most diverse types of matches. And that's what I like to see, especially with this particular championship belt. So I'm happy to see Darby as TNT champion again. I'm happy that we're starting to see different matches. Uh, the belt feels a little bit more... Uh, and meaningful once again and that's not saying that it didn't feel meaningful before but it did take a little bit of a uh it, it did kind of go down on the rankings for me when Scorpio Sky had it when Wardlow had it it just didn't really feel uh as important uh Samoa Joe only had it briefly but then again he didn't need the two championship belts though so he was good with one right like either or he was fine um after this we do get um 
Samoa Joe appearing on screen. And Samoa Joe basically says what he's been saying before. He's the king of television. He's coming for everything that Darby Allen has. And we do find out that next week, we are going to be seeing Samoa Joe versus Darby Allen once again for the TNT Championship. And let me tell you, I'm very happy about that. I ain't going to complain at all. And the reason for that is we get... And, and we got in, this is now the, the third time that we've seen Samoa Joe Darby Allen. And what I like about this and why it's entertaining is because Samoa Joe literally just kills Darby Allen for like 95% of the match, maybe even more than that. And we get, it, it, it looks very fun. Sorry, Darby. Appreciate you, man, but I love seeing Samoa Joe kick your ass. And that is why I have a bomb-ass time watching Samoa Joe and Darby Allen. So I'm looking forward to that match. Um, and yeah, that was cool. I'm happy to see that they made that match again. Uh, but we got a super chat here from Michael Bolden. Thank you so much to Michael who says, I want to see more of Buddy Matthews. He is ready. He is ready. No more prospects until they're ready. They get shine and then push down the card. A good example is Hook. And yeah, that's true too. You know, um, I mean, Hook is still over and Hook still gets, you know, very big reactions. He does. But yeah, it, you know, things were really, really picking, like really, really hot for him uh, when he made his uh, Rampage debut, everything that he did with Danhausen. Uh, now with Jungle Hook, you know, it's it's still very over. But um but yeah, in terms of is it maybe as hot? No, nah, maybe not. Because I remember like the pops that like him and Dan Housen were getting just from their match being announced. I mean, it was crazy. But um, but yeah, I do think that Buddy Matthews is definitely somebody that uh, I would like to see a little bit more in singles competition. Uh, but thank you so much to Michael Bolden for also sending in this super chat. It's very, very appreciated. All right, give me a second. I got to block the porn bots. Every now and then, guys, they come in and they invade the stream. Darn you, porn bots. All right, so uh, let's go ahead and move on from here. So um, let's get into this next portion. And the next thing we got, it's very brief to talk about, but let's get into it. So Adam Cole, as we know, returned on the AEW Dynamite in LA. I was there, baby. And, um, <laughs> and... I'm not laughing at that joke. I'm laughing at what the chat's saying. Oh, man. All right. Anyway, so Adam Cole comes out and, you know, he debuts in Los Angeles. We've already talked about this. And he's back. He's it looks like he's ready to go, this and that. We get this vignette uh, where he's talking about, you know, returning. He's in the ring. He's wearing a green bandana that for some reason just looked very, I don't know. I, I would not have imagined Adam Cole with that green bandana. I don't know why. I don't know what it was about that green bandana. It stood out to me. But anyways, whatever. It's not about that. It's not about the green bandana. So he's talking about becoming the brand new uh, Adam Cole and says, uh, you know, at night he gets rest now because he knows that he's ready to get in there and mix it up. He says he doesn't know when the day is coming, but it's coming soon. And the last thing that we saw was a closing shot of Adam Cole looking over at the revolution banner that's up on the uh, arena. And so basically teasing that his match back, his return match back is going to be at revolution. So we can pretty much, I feel like we can, we can bank on seeing Adam Cole wrestle at revolution. So that's where we're at with all of that. Now let's go ahead and move on from this. Let's get into a jungle boy and hook versus Ethan Page and Matt Hardy here. So this has probably been one of my least favorite, I would say portions of, of AEW lately. For some reason, I'm not digging this whole storyline with uh with Matt Hardy and Private Party and, and, and Stokely Hathaway and Ethan Page. Um, this one really hasn't been for me. Uh, I'm really into uh, Jungle Boy and Hook as a team, but I don't know if this is the program that's really getting me hot for this uh in particular. So I'm a little bit like this was part this was probably the only part of the show where I found myself a little disinterested in I kind of just want to see Jungle Boy and Hook, but I don't want us necessarily see them in this particular story. I want to see them kind of doing something different here. Um, but either way, we do see Ethan Page tap out to the snare trap. Uh, so Jungle, a Jungle Boy and Hook end up getting the win here. But um, this one really isn't for me, guys. This is the one where I'm a little bit like, ah, uh, pass. You know, I could look someplace else or something. 
But what we see got here? We got King of Hueco Mungo who says, um, Ethan Page and uh, Hardy have been really good on Dark. See, and that's the thing. Like, I don't get to watch Dark, guys. Um, you guys know this. I talk about it all the time. I, I'm not those people that, you know, pretend to watch something when I don't. I don't have time to watch Dark or Dark Elevation. Uh, unless, unless something, like, become super newsworthy that happens on the show. Then I like when I went back to go watch that Athena match. And then if I was at the show, then clearly I'll watch it. But uh, I, if I'm not watching dark and dark elevation consistently, unfortunately, just cause there's, there's already too much to watch guys. I'm already stressed out. My stress levels, they're high. They're already too high. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's where I'm at with that. Um, okay. Let's get into the family therapy because this family therapy so we got some, all right, let me recap first what actually went down in this family therapy, and then I'll tell you guys what I thought. All right, so the gun club is there with the acclaimed and Billy Gunn and their therapist, right? So the whole thing here is that the guns are blaming everything on Billy and basically saying he was not a good father. And th they had a line that was like, our faults as son." Our fault as sons is the fault of you as a father, something like that. So they had a line like that, that really, really hit. I didn't do it any justice, but they had a really good line, uh, basically burning Billy as a father and really making him out to seem like a not so great dad, right? But then on the other hand, you have Max Caster and Anthony Bowens who are basically bas telling them like, you guys are just little shits. Like you just saw your dad give us like an ounce of attention and you guys just got completely jealous and this and that, right? So they're making some very fair points. I thought that some of the stuff that the acclaimed had to say was pretty good, especially with them kind of basically telling uh, telling the guns, like, you guys ain't shit. You ain't shit. And you guys just jealous that your daddy gave us some attention. Uh, that was probably like the only highlight for me on this. And then basically this ends with Billy Gunn asking them, like, what do you guys want? And they just said, like, we want those titles. Okay, they want the titles. Uh, we did find out that the acclaimed is going to be in action next week. They didn't say who or what match, but they are going to be in action. Um, so my thoughts here with the family therapy. The acclaimed and the guns have done a really good job in terms of like, I wasn't a fan of the guns, to be honest. Like I kind of just thought they were there and nothing else, nothing more, nothing less. But recently I did start liking a lot of what they were doing. A lot of the segments that they were doing, some of the good uh, one-liners that they were tossing over at the acclaimed. Uh, they were, they were doing a, quite a bit that I actually ended up liking. So this ended up becoming something that I enjoyed on the show. However, I didn't think that the family therapy necessarily hit the mark. I feel like they have done a lot funnier stuff, whether it be the music videos, the, um, you know, a bunch of music videos that they did, the whole segment that they did on Rampage where it ended up with them and their, uh, their butts full of, of concrete. Uh, they've done a lot funnier stuff than this so i wouldn't say that the, i was hoping that i thought the family therapy was going to be full of like some really good zingers uh i don't really think i got that when i got that with this so i would say that the family therapy was a little bit of a letdown for today's particular show especially given how some of the other stuff has just hit a little bit harder so this was probably not up there with my favorite things on the show. Uh, we do get Wheeler Yuda who challenges Hangman Adam Page to a match on uh, Rampage. So that's going to be happening this Friday. But now I got a couple more things to talk about and then we'll go ahead and wrap up the show. Uh, but before I do, guys, just a heads up. If you guys are enjoying the show, I am live here three times a week on Tuesdays. I'm here to talk about NXT on Wednesdays. It's my most popular show of the week. And I'm here talking about AEW dynamite. Uh, there's always a lot that goes down. I feel like, you know, the show is just growing by the minute. Thank God. And then Fridays I'm here. It's my most chill show of the week. And I talk about rampage and smackdown uh this weekend i will be in san antonio for the royal rumble there are going to be one two three four four press events nope five press events to attend so it's going to be a very very busy week but i am planning on being here this friday to talk about a uh, smackdown and rampage uh if 
I'm going to be Airbnb. They tend to have good Wi-Fi. That's why I don't like to do hotels. Hotels have terrible Wi-Fi. Uh, I've had bad luck in hotels. So I feel pretty, pretty good about my Wi-Fi situation. But anyways, so let's get into uh, Brian Danielson and Brian Cage here because um, there's a lot that kind of happened here. So I'm just going to run down things really, really quickly and then get into everything else. So first and foremost, so uh, Brian Cage, um, it came out just a couple of days and this was reported by Fightful that his, unless there's in an extension or a new deal is reached in his contract, uh, it looks like, you know, his AEW contract is pretty much set to expire in a matter of a couple of weeks. And this was uh, according to Fightful. So um, we've been seeing, we went a big chunk of time without really seeing much of Brian Cage, a big chunk of time. And we're finally, in the last couple of weeks or so, we've been seeing a lot more of Brian Cage. And I've been so glad that we've been seeing so much more of him because I am a fan of his, man. Like, I don't know how you can't be a fan of Brian Cage. He looks a certain way, yet he can do things that you would never imagine that a guy like him can actually do. So I've been very happy to see that we've been seeing a lot more with Brian Cage. Um, but who knows what's going to go down, whether or not he chooses to stick around um, or not. I guess we'll find out. So that's that's where we're at on the Brian Cage side of things. And also, you know, I did love his matches that he had with uh, Willie Mack recently. All that stuff was good. The match that he recently had a couple uh, a while ago, actually, with Samoa Joe, with Jungle Boy, all of that stuff. Everything that he did there, all good stuff. Brian Danielson, as we know, is in this program with MJF, and he needs to win all of his matches. That's the thing. Now, MJF did give... Brian Cage the task of basically uh, trying to end Brian Danielson because MJF does not want Brian Danielson to win his matches because as you know, if Brian Danielson wins them all, he will then get this one hour Iron Man match with MJF at AEW Revolution. So clearly MJF doesn't want any of that. That's the story we're at here. So throughout this match, I kind of felt like the match was pretty okay. Um, I didn't think this nearly compared to what we saw with Brian Danielson and Bandito. I mean, that was like, bro, that was up here, man. Like that, that thing skyrocketed. I don't know how to tell you. That was on a whole other level. I thought this match with Brian Cage was okay. It was fine. Uh, we saw a lot of what we... Uh, I saw some good stuff like Danielson locking in the LaBelle lock on Brian Danielson, like right smack. I'm sorry, not Brian Danielson. Br Brian, I, I just said Brian Danielson locking in the LaBelle lock on Brian Danielson. <laughs> uh, Brian Danielson locking in the LaBelle lock on uh, Brian Cage. Too many Bryans on Brian Cage. And I thought that was good because he locked it in dead center, but Brian Cage manages to get his foot on the ropes, and that was cool. Um, I did like Brian doing the dive to the outside, followed by the cross body splash. That was good as well. Um, when we came back from commercial, Brian Cage had him like in a bear hug, and Brian was just like headbutting him. That was pretty freaking cool, too. There was a really nice um little combo that we saw where Brian did a German suplex, but when he did that, he also made sure to bend the uh the leg of brian cage and with brian cage's size it looked even more impressive and he gets him with the suplex he comes back he hits him with the rolling elbow and then a kick to the head um that was probably my favorite point of the actual match and this basically ended up leading to the actual finish um brian gets a roll up and he wins here but again this match was good but it wasn't nearly what we saw last week but it was fine it was perfectly fine i love the the sequence leading up to the actual finish everything else was okay but we need to talk about the post-match stuff because a lot went down here so post-match we do see uh page take out brian and because of the whole bounty that mjf has put on him and then mjf comes out he basically is pissed off he's throwing out his anger on the production guys on everybody there at the uh at the announcer's table he shoves one guy down and then this all leads to cage putting the arm of brian danielson into a chair and then driving him straight into the turnbuckle so that was definitely brutal so they're beating up on you know the arm of brian danielson and that's going to play into something else that we see later on uh he and at this point i'm thinking does brian danielson not have any friends but of course 
he did have a friend. Uh, Takeshita, he came out, thank bless his heart. He came out to help out Brian Danielson and he hits Brian Cage with a um with a jumping knee. And so I liked how we saw all of this essentially come together. I love that we ended up seeing uh, the attack on from both MJF and Brian Cage to Brian Danielson because it makes sense. MJF does not want to get to the point where he has to prove himself in this one hour match against Brian Danielson at AW Revolution. He does not want to get to this point. So it was very, very uh, easy in terms of trying to get him out of the element, trying to get him out of the picture. So then this then leads to, hold on, but wait, there's more. All right. So after all of this in-ring stuff happened, we get an MJF promo backstage and uh, he had a pretty, uh, pretty interesting open. Well, not interesting, but he had a pretty good opener. He started off by saying that he's in this dingy locker room and, you know, uh, he throws this line. He says this line. He says, quote, I'm not the first Jew to hide from a man with blue eyes. I thought that hit hard. I thought that hit hard. That definitely hit hard. But he goes on to say that Brian Danielson, he asked Brian, like, why are you trying to take this belt away from me when this is the only thing that I have that makes me feel whole? He mentions that Brian has, you know, he has a wife, he has kids, he has this and that. And then he says, but I figured it out. The reason you want this championship is because you don't feel whole either. And so I kind of like that we got this little, um, you know, from MJF trying to question why Brian Danielson wants his championship. So that was all good. He then announces that the next match we're going to be seeing Brian in, and it's going to be Timothy Thatcher versus Brian Danielson. So, then after this, we get Brian Danielson, who is, you know, talking to the doctors and the doctor basically tells him, you can't wrestle. You're hurt. He gives them a fancy name for what he has. Can't repeat it if you ask me to, because I don't remember what it was. Bunch of fancy doctor words. Brian gets up and he cuts a pretty good promo and he basically says nothing is stopping him. He's going to expose MJF. He knows that all he has behind that mask is fear and no one is going to stop him from wrestling MJF. So that's where we're at here. In terms of Thatcher versus Danielson, it is an interesting little matchup that we're going to be seeing. I hope it's, I think it'll be good. I'm not the biggest Timothy Thatcher fan. Uh, like I, I, I think he's like just, I think he's okay. He's, I think he's okay. But um, so I'm not like the biggest, biggest fan. I'm not going to come out here and pretend I'm a huge fan or anything like that. Um, but I still think, it's got enough to be the makings of a fun match. And I think I'll be looking forward to it for sure. And it definitely was an opponent that I wasn't expecting. And that's the thing that I like about the stuff that they do with Brian Danielson is that you get these matches you weren't expecting. So that's where I'm at in this whole thing. And uh, even though we know we're going to be seeing this 60-minute uh, Ironman match, at uh, Revolution, I mean, we have to be getting it, right? Like, this is the whole point we're getting to, right? We're definitely going to get it. Um, at least I feel we're definitely going to get it. So along the way, I want to see things that I did not expect to see. Even similar to like when we had the whole thing with MJF and Chris Jericho, and we were seeing Chris Jericho wrestle all these different types of people. That's kind of what we're doing here with Brian Danielson. A little different, but still, that to me is exciting to see. Um, all right. So after this, guys, we got just two more things to talk about. We got Tony Storm versus Ruby Soho. As you guys know, this was supposed to be a three-way with Britt Baker, but they said that she's injured, so she's out. And uh, commentary was really pushing the whole uh, AEW originals versus women who didn't get their start in AEW. So that was something that they were making sure to like hone in over and over and over again. Uh, this match was pretty good. We saw Tony. Uh, I thought Tony did a lot of good stuff in this match. Like when she got. She got Ruby Soho like right away with a big boot. Uh, she gets her with that. She gets her with her hip attack. We see uh, Ruby get Tony with like a pretty sick knee to the face. And then this all leads to uh, Tony Storm like pretending that she's, you know, really hurt herself, that she's really hurt her nose. But we all knew, everybody knew that Tony Storm was just trying to um, 
She was just trying to fool Ruby Soho so that she can get the upper hand, and it worked. So she gets her with um, she gets her with a hip attack, a DDT. She goes for the pin. It's a near fall, so that was a nice little setup there, and for it not to be the end, I wish that would have been the end, honestly, because we then had Britt Baker come out. So her music plays. She stands there and she ends up distracting Tony Storm. And this allows Ruby Soho to get the win over on Tony Storm due to the distraction from Britt Baker. I would have personally, um, I don't really like finishes like this when it's just the person just coming out and standing there and smiling and their music plays. And then a person gets distracted and loses the match. I'm never fond of those kinds of distractions. If it's going to be a distraction, it's got to be like a big one, like something more than just the person's music playing and then coming out. But we see it all the time in wrestling. I think that's probably the reason why I'm not so like keen on it anymore. It's because we've seen it so many times. I would rather get them a little bit more creative, but it's fine. A little predictable. Ruby gets her win. Good for her. A nice little matchup here. We got a couple of super chats. This one here is from Steven Peckman, who says, I'm liking heel Tony Storm digging the new look. She's been looking pretty good, man. Like since she came into AEW, I mean, she was already looking good, but she has, um, she's been looking different. She's definitely been looking different. The hair was, you know, a little bit shorter, uh, shorter than it already was before. Uh, she's been really, really looking great, like physically speaking, looking phenomenal. Um, no flaws on Tony whatsoever. Nick Rosso says, um, thank you so much for the generous super chat. Nick Rosso says, um, I like the vibe from heel Tony Storm. Decent match. Big win for Ruby Soho. Still think she's turning. I just wish we got more of Jamie Hayter. She's only had two matches since winning the title. And now she just appears on Rampage. And here's the thing. Like, I don't mind seeing her appear on Rampage because clearly, you know, you want to make Rampage feel special. And Jamie Hayter is somebody that can make Rampage feel special. But yes, in regards to her being the champ, like the AEW Women's Champion, um, that is supposed to be, you know, the main, main bout for the women. And I personally always want to see that particular title bout, that particular picture, that champion, whoever has it in whatever time period we're talking about, I want to see them on Dynamite. Uh, I don't mind it, though, if like one week it's like Rampage, one week it's Dynamite, but um, I do agree in terms of we should be seeing a little bit more of, uh, you know, just more presentation for Jamie on Dynamite, like more more character stuff, maybe maybe hearing her talk a little bit more. I would like to see her talk, do more promos. Um, I would like to see that a little bit more from uh, for Jamie Hayter and just get an uh, added element to to her as a champion. Uh, thank you so much to Nick Grosso for the generous super chat and for also making this point as well. And we got everybody saying they're expecting the heel turn for Ruby uh, for Ruby as well. Alrighty, everyone. Um, and, uh, last but not least, let's go ahead and get into the matches that were announced for dynamite. And then we'll go ahead and wrap up the show. So we are going to get Timothy Thatcher and Brian Danielson, Adam page, John Moxley again, and Darby Allen and Samoa Joe again, which I don't mind. And we're also going to be seeing the acclaimed in action. So I think for the most part, next week's dynamite, um, it feels like it's going to be a good night of in ring action. I like those nights. I really do. And we are making our way uh, into Revolution by, we're still got a couple of shows, maybe like four weeks or something along those lines. So we got a lot of uh, time to build up to Revolution. At least it feels like it right now, but it's going to fly by. But that's it, everybody. That is the show. I want to thank you guys so much, as always, for coming on here and chatting AEW Dynamite with me. Before I go, like I mentioned earlier, I am going to be in San Antonio covering the Royal Rumble, uh, getting interviews with talent, and pretty much you know doing all of that. So please, 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 please make sure you're subscribed to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Denise Salcedo. Uh, just search me up on YouTube, guys, and my channel will pop up. I have officially surpassed 85,000 subscribers on there. I'm very, very proud of that because one of the biggest struggles that I've had is finding a balance between all of the work that I do, for example, with F4W, all of the news videos that I create and podcasts that I do and, you know, the stuff that I do for Fightful as well. The hardest thing that I was trying to figure out 
was to find content for my channel as well. And so I did, I have been finding ways to put content out there to make the channel keep growing while I'm still contributing to other channels as well. It's a lot of work, but I'm very happy and very, very proud of what's going on over on that channel. So once again, for all of those interviews and all of that content also, I did a prediction show today with Brian Alvarez and it was a really, really good prediction show because Brian has a great insights, great thoughts, and he provided a lot of insight as to what he thinks is going to go down with the bloodline. He talks about the whole situation with the women and uh, the cutting of uh, Becky Lynch and Bailey on Monday Night Raw. Uh, there's a lot that I think you're going to want to hear, and you can hear that over on that prediction show on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Denise Salcedo. But last but not least, do not forget to subscribe to F4W online and I will catch you back here on Friday for SmackDown and Rampage conversation. Uh, thank you so much to everybody who was here today and enjoy the Royal Rumble.